Okay, well, welcome back everybody to the Think Education podcast. Uh, another solo occasion for me uh, today. Well, solo in the sense that I'm, I'm not accompanied by Judith, but not solo in the sense that you have to just listen to me uh, to ramble by myself. Um, because uh, it's, a, it's a, a great privilege today to be joined by, um, well, colleague, yes, but friend, uh, friend too, um, Dr. Zenith uh, Reza Khan, or, or Zenith to um, all the people that know her uh, far and wide. Um, and uh, it's, a, it's a great place. It's weird, though. I mean, we're still in the same city, in both in Dubai, but uh, still recording this this online because of, uh, you know, scheduling, etc. So, but a great, great pleasure to be able to to introduce uh, uh, Zenith. Zenith is the, the founding president and board member of the Center for Academic Integrity in the UAE, so the United Arab Emirates. Um, I guess her day job, if if we can say, uh, yeah, she's an assistant <laughs> professor. Uh, although how you have time for this is, is sort of beyond me. But either way, it's it's listed in your bio, right? So you are an assistant professor of cyber ethics and the Faculty of Engineering and Information Sciences. Uh, in addition to that, the program director for freshman pathway programs at the University of Wollongong uh, here in Dubai, um, where you've been based in the Faculty of Engineering and Information Sciences since 2001 so probably makes you one of the the longest serving members i would imagine of of, of wollongong certainly certainly yeah. up there i would uh, yeah. i would imagine um so one of the know, longest serving faculty yeah okay great so we maybe maybe we can have a a chat about that um Zina's a fellow of the Wollongong Academy of Tertiary Teaching Excellence an audit board member for the European Network for Academic Integrity T academic integrity. <laughs> wow. Yeah. This is why we need to record these earlier in the day. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, and she's also um, local advisory board member of uh, their own high school of Al Warqua in the UAE, which is part of the the Gems Education um, umbrella. Uh, uh, national and international award-winning academic uh, over 60 publications although I'm sure that's now that's now uh, increasing um, <laughs> oh there you go see yeah see nicely up to date um, research interests are not unsurprisingly academic integrity ethics in IT uh, teaching and learning and with a focus on STEM for for girls uh, Zenith has won the vice chancellor's Octal award for Wollongong in 2016 the Turnitin Global Innovation Award in 2015 and the Teaching Excellence Award from Wollongong, Dubai in 2014, among many, many others. Um, it's always always a pleasure to hear hear about you being recognised for, for the sterling work that, that you do. Uh, I suppose more recently, uh, Zenith was named among UAE's 10 most influential educational leaders in 2019 by the Knowledge Review. She won the Digital Leader Award in Education category from the Khalij Times and the MIT Sloan Management Review's Digital Leaders Forum uh, in 2019. Uh, Zenith was named 2020 Global Education Influencer and one of the most 100 admired people in education in 2021 <laughs> by the Exiligent. Um, uh, and I suppose last but not least was recognized in 2020 for her research contribution by, and I'm going to say it properly this time, the European Network for Academic Integrity, um, recipient of their <laughs> Research Excellence Award, right, in 2021, I believe that's, so that's, that's quite a, it sounds detailed, but I think that's actually quite a short bio. Um, uh, you, I mean, you are... Absolutely, one of um, not just the leaders, but the pioneers um, in in your work um, in academic integrity, and, and and certainly, you know, absolutely deservedly so recognised as such. Um, uh, you, are, it's funny because you're one of those people where I mean, yes, you have titles and you have you know etc. But when I was joking, everybody knows Zenith. Like anybody in the the UAE, <laughs> almost anybody I speak to anywhere. Oh yeah, no, I know, I know Zenith. It's like yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not surprised. So it's a thank you very much for 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 coming on. Um, it's a it's a pleasure to have you to have you on the podcast. Um, it's thank kind of, you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be a part of this. Um, and it's uh, it's it's odd for me because obviously we've we've known each other for for quite a few years and we've had probably many of these conversations without uh, a camera or a, an audio. Um, and. Uh, <laughs> Um, my my relationship, I guess, in this sort of space goes back to that that time when you you came to visit my office uh, at the British University in Dubai, okay. and um, and sort of just very very easily put to me, well, 
oh, you, you want to be involved in academic integrity? And I was like, well, I can't actually say no, can I? Because to say no becomes a, a very, very different conversation. Um, uh, and, and never really looked back. And it's been, it's been a, a pleasure to be, to be a member of your, of your team, you know, and, and indeed with, with our other colleagues um, from, from other universities uh, around uh, the Emirates. It's been, a, it's, been a, it's been a great pleasure. So I wonder if you could um, maybe just give us a, a little bit of context about... Uh, your work on academic integrity, uh, specifically in the in the UAE, I, I know it's much broader, and we will come to that. But you know, um, why why you had the focus of, of building what you've built in the UAE, and 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 what it is that you've been maybe doing um, recently, if that's that's okay to start. Right. Okay. Um, again, thank you so much for having me. It's really exciting to be here. And you're right, we have had so many of these conversations. But up until our book launch uh, last week, we've never actually been in a conversation together. Uh, formally, um, true. I was thinking about true. that the other day. I was like, hmm, it's either him talking or I'm talking. We are never the ones doing it together. So I was really excited to be here today with you and have this one-on-one. Um, so, and in fact, you were the very first person who agreed to meet me on academic integrity in, in the country. So, you know, <laughs> don't be that surprised. You're also one of the pioneers. <laughs> <laughs> well, but by association, certainly. But I mean, it's... Uh... Um, it's funny because I remember I remember when um, I was in London uh, quite a few years ago before we met, and uh, it's one of those things. I just finished a conference. I'm I'm walking back to to where I'm staying, and it's you know it's it's night time. I'm tired from the conference, and it's you know it's it's a busy street, and I'm I'm sort of walking, you know, not trying to interact with people, just want to get home, right? And um, and um, somebody was. Um, you know the the people with clipboards that are are looking for donations and looking for support yeah. and and um you know as you know i'm sure i'm not alone in this but you know you sort of you you try to put blinders on and ignore people and you're just walking through and yeah. and the yes. person with the clipboard started to say something and they started to say oh do you have time and i just st- you know wasn't really listening i was being rude and i just said uh, no no i'm sorry i don't have time and i i just sort of walked past and i'd i'd interrupted their sentence so they started by saying do you have time i said no i don't have time they finished their sentence which was yeah. to save the children <laughs> at which point oh, I, I sort of stopped and went okay maybe we need to back up and engage in this conversation um and since that point when anybody now asks me questions as you did with academic integrity my 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 better my better angels um i just shut up and listen and let's Stop let's see where see where we can go um yeah that was a valuable life lesson um, but yes, yeah, so sorry. You, so you, um, um, you, you began this in um, when? When was it? Twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen. The center. Or yeah. Just working in the area of academic integrity. So, well, working in academic integrity. I mean, this has obviously been a, a passion for a while, okay. right? Right. So I actually started publishing in two thousand five, right? But. This thing, whole thing about looking at it, why students are cheating started really earlier than that, um, much earlier than even my schooling years, because I actually grew up in Dubai Zoo. So we, we had very unique childhood compared to anybody else in my class. And because of that, I think a lot of what I saw was very black and white for me because it was something was either right or it was wrong. Right. So when I came to school, um, that that be- you know, that spectrum shifted a little because unfortunately I went into school when I was in grade five. I had this really strong British accent back then as a child because I came out of a British school and everybody was making fun of me. It was so difficult for me to make friends. And then um, I realized when the exams happened that, you know, this was one of the most notorious sections in the whole school. It was so notorious, it was a girl's section, that the boys' punishment would be to be sent to our section, <laughs> to stay there. I mean, depending on, the, on you know, their crime, how big a punishment it was. So either they just got to spend a day, a week, or a month in our class. And that was their punishment. So that's how bad our section was. Wow. So pretty, pretty, pretty soon I picked up kind of the cheating skills from everybody. And I was like, so I need to be the go-to girl, then I get to have friends, right? Uh, but remember, I was just in grade six by then, so I was like 12 years old. Uh, by the time I finished the school and then my parents changed my school to a convent school, 
very different, very, very, very different, very strict. But I thought, you know, I know how to make friends now, right? Mm. Because I've done it already two years back. So first exam, I, I helped everyone in class. So every girl in class, there were 20 of us and I helped everybody. And then the principal walks in and goes, I know you cheated. I know who cheated. I know how you cheated. Um, but I'm going to give you time to come back and tell me. Um, and if you do, then there will be no repercussions. I was like, hmm, she doesn't know. She's just bluffing, right? But then the moment she walked out of class, every girl started crying. And I was like, oh, my God, these girls are going to tattletale on me. <laughs> So then I thought, what do I do? You know, like, how do I get around this and in front of this curve? Um, again, remember, I was just, by this time, I was about 14. And I thought, hmm, it's a, it's a missionary school. She's a nun. I'm going to confess, right? I'm obviously not Christian. I don't go to church. Um, but, you know, it's like a movie thing, right? You've always seen it in movies growing up. And you're like, yes, that's what I'm going to do. And it's going to work for me. So I went, um, I went and I spoke to her and I said, you know, I have a confession to make. And, you know, I thought I was going to shatter her world. And I said, I cheated. And she said, okay, what do you want me to do about it? And she was so cool. She didn't even look up from the grading or whatever signing she was doing on paper. I was like, uh, you know, you said if I came, then you wouldn't deduct my marks or fail me. She's like, okay, I'm not going to fail you. I was like, yes, there we go. Then she said, but I'm going to give you three, day, three days to go and tell your parents that you cheated. Now, please understand, very conservative family. Both were teachers in their life uh, and in their profession at some point. So for me, at that moment, I felt like, maybe give me the fail. Right. I don't want to go tell my parents that <laughs> cheated, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and it took, it really did take me three whole days to muster up the courage to actually sit my parents down and tell them, you know what, guess what, I've cheated. Of course, my mom started crying. And my dad was like, yes, we know. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean you know? Like, you know, it's like, here I was in my little world thinking, I'm so cool, I know all these tricks, and I have so many friends because of that. And all of a sudden, everything felt like, you know, it was like upside down for me. Right. And my, my dad said, we knew this was happening in the old school. That's why we changed your school. We didn't know how to help you uh, because the system there was just not working. Um, we've even spoken to your principal here about it. I was like, so the principal knows that I've cheated. I used to like, what? You know, and they're like, yeah, of course. And she said to leave it to her that she was going to deal with it. I was like, okay. But in the process of talking to my parents and then the follow-up meetings with the principal, you have to re realize back then, this was like in the 80s and 90s, we didn't have counselors in schools, right? But I think I was really blessed that I had this set of parents and this principal who knew how to do this right. Because those three days and then thereafter kind of changed who I was, not just as a person who grew up in the zoo and had that right and wrong, but really engraved into me that this is it. It's so much easier to study and go for, go and do, uh, you know, do my tests rather than trying to cheat and help friends. And then they're not really friends if I have to do something wrong to help them and then they become friends with me. And, you know, all that enlightenment happened um, during my, those years of grades 9, 10, 11, 12 that when I graduated and I became a teacher, I thought, you know, this is exactly what must still be happening, that students are not really cheating that much. Oh, I was so surprised, right? Mm. Standing there in front of the class, going, what are you doing? I can see you, you know, like, you're not that intelligent at the end of the day. I can see what you're doing, all the coughs and the scratches of the head and the scarf. And I can see, I can see what you're doing. So that's what kind of propelled me to start looking at why are students still doing it. Then I thought maybe it was the technology that's mm -hmm. kind of, you know, aggravating the situation, you know, the whole copy, copy paste and, you know, everything online is, is free and we have access to it. So it, we can just use it any way we want and things like that. So that kind of got me to look at why are students still cheating and how is technology kind of factoring into this. And I, I kind of went from there to doing my PhD on this and understanding. But by the time I was done with my PhD, I, I kind of had that 
you know, realization that it wasn't just technology. It was, it wasn't even just students. You know, mm. this this problem is so much bigger than all of us. It's it's systemic. Um, if you have a bad teacher who is regularly repeating assessments, students are going to pick up on that and just copy off their old friends, you know, seniors who have done the assessment. If you have a teacher who is unapproachable, who is not giving clear instructions, where are students going to go to find those answers? So it isn't just the students, it isn't just the technology, you know. So it was like a host of things that I was seeing around me and I was like, we need to really start working on this and talking about this. And, you know, we cannot work alone. It has to be a community thing. We have to come together and, you know, join hands with all stakeholders so we can help the students. Yeah. So that's kind of how I got to this whole thing. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's, it's, it's really interesting because, you know, that your, your superhero origin story, <laughs> it's, it's nice to, to, to know. Um, but it, it's, I mean, it's curious, isn't it? Because, you, you know, you, in essence, you know, there is cheating everywhere, right? In, in all walks of, of, yes. of life, right? And um, to, to try and think about, you know, the, the root causes. I mean, I know, you know, this was sort of, you know, we, we've talked about this on panels we've been on before and, you know, sort of fundamentally, well, why do people cheat? And I mean, that, yeah. that obviously is, is quite a complicated question and yet quite a simple question at the same time because it, it has... <laughs> Obviously, it has cultural norms, right? And it, it has, um, yeah. you know, structural issues and it, it sort of relates to things about, well, they can or, you know, as in they think they can get away with it. Yeah. Or as you said, it, it actually, you know, it might be motivated perversely from a sort of a, a good place of trying to help or, or and, yeah. and, Deidre, and you've brought this up before about the this sort of, you know, in, in various cultural constructs where it's actually part of a, of a community building. So it's, it's a case of, well, no, no, it's my responsibility to help my, my colleagues or my classmates. And actually that's, that's part of uplifting the whole, but obviously viewed through a different lens. Well, but no, 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 that, that's completely wrong. It's like, no, I'm sorry, your interpretation of that is wrong. And so it becomes kind of a, you know, a multi, multi-dimensional. Yeah. I remember you telling me a story a while, it's a few years ago now where, you're talking about sort of um, schoolwork, even at primary school level, where you know a, a child is yeah. is given a, a, a school project to do or, or something to do, and, and there they just isn't enough time in the oh, curriculum gosh, to cover yeah. it, and, and they, they don't have enough time to do it at home, and so the parent ends up, let's yeah. say, helping if not actually doing, <laughs> um, does the work, gives it to the kid, the kid takes it to school the next day, and then presents it as if she has or he have have done the work. And in essence, you're yes. like, yeah, but that's, that's cheating. Like, we, you know, we, we're building a culture <laughs> yeah. where children are comfortable, whether it's accepting yeah. credit or, or simply, you know, stating this was my work. Um, yeah. And yet, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's not. Um, and so the, the, um, the center then, the, your work with, um, I mean, your work with um, INAI, um, that, that goes back. Right. I, I mean, that's, that's a, a while ago, right? Um, and so what, what is that, um, what's the, the main focus of that for, for people or colleagues that don't, aren't familiar with, with um, the European Network for Academic Integrity? Haha, <laughs> said it correctly. So, yay, you got it. Yeah, third time, yes. <laughs> it can be a tongue twister, we don't realize it. <laughs> well, yeah. actually, what happened was um, 2012, um, I was like midway through my PhD and I was going to give up. I was like, there was no interest in the region, nobody cares about this topic. Why am I killing myself trying to finish this PhD? You know, where is this even going and how is this going to really um, help me help anybody else? At that time, I had the unique opportunity to meet Tracy Bratek. Yeah. Um, now, she's passed away in 2020, but she was such a trailblazer um, and such a mentor in this space. And she happened to be passing by Dubai and you know, one of her friends kind of knew somebody from my university and they brought her to our campus. So my friend said, hey, don't you work in this? Don't you want to meet this person? I'm like, yeah, right? So when I spoke to her, uh, she said, don't stop, continue doing what you're doing. I'll get you in touch with the right people in this community um, as you go through um, you know, your process of finishing the PhD. And so through her, I kind of got in touch with NI by 2017, because 2015, I finished my PhD. 2016, we did the first um, conference here on academic integrity. And then, so 2017, is when I kind of got in touch with them. By then, they were a fully-fledged network of about um, 
13, at that time, 13, 20 universities in, in, in Europe who had come together um, through the Erasmus uh, Project funds to set up this network. Their whole purpose is to um, support the education community, academic community, um, on um, raising awareness about academic integrity, on the different misconducts, um, you know, fostering collaborations and networks so they can come together and do research. Um, they host annual um, conferences, uh, webinars. They do a host of other things as well now. Yeah, yeah. And they've become, they've really muscled. Now I think they've got almost 50 universities across the world, not just Europe, who are members of, of the network. So that's how I kind of started getting in touch with them. And then I thought, I want to bring, I want to bring them here somehow so that we could kind of uplift the conversation here. Because something Tracy had said that Zina, because I told her, I was like, uh, you know, Tracy, it's so difficult. I've been working on this since 2005. Nobody wants to listen. If in a local uh, conference here, if I if I go and I, it's my turn to present, people see the title, they get up and leave. Um, I've had virtually empty rooms except for the chair of the session sitting. And they've asked me, what would you like to do? I say, you accepted my paper. I'm going to present it, even if it's just to you. So I've had those moments as well, right? Um, so I said, you know, what do I do to get people to like sit up and listen? She said, you want people in this region to listen? You need to get out of this region and get somebody in to come and talk about the same thing. So that kind of stayed with me. And I was like, I need to get somebody here. I need to get somebody here. And through NI, I got, uh, so the first person who came here was Veronica. She came as a uh, visiting research fellow. And I came to see you with her. Yes in 2018 so you know that's kind of how we kind of started going to different campuses having road shows and then the next year yeah next yeah sorry did you say something no 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 so 2018 and then the next yeah, year you went through the road shows and yeah that's yeah, what you're saying next year i got Teddy fishman he's the former uh president for international center for academic integrity in usa which is like a sister network with ni um so she came and then we did some more road shows that year and of course, in 2020, we got to do the NI conference in Dubai, uh, albeit virtually because of COVID, but it happened in Dubai. <laughs> and I think you and I were probably both sitting in the same rooms we're sitting in now at that time, right? Um, yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, Very much so. Um, so can I ask then, I mean, we'll come to, to your, your latest publication in, in, in a few minutes, and this is obviously connected to that, but I mean, what do you see are the are the greatest challenges within the academic integrity mm -hmm. I mean, space? Is it awareness? Is it understanding? Is it training? Is it, you know, technology? Is it funding? Is it, you know, obviously it's probably all of those yeah. things, but I mean, what, you know, yeah. what are we trying to, what do we need to tackle first? I mean, what, what is it with, we should be working through here? I, hmm. so I think the largest, the, the biggest thing that I think we need to tackle which is immediate is the awareness part. Like a lot of people, whether it's students or teachers, they don't even realize what's happening and whether how, how much of it is wrong, how much of it is wrong, where is that line that needs to be drawn. Um, if I just give an example, let's say of ChatGPT, right? Of course, it's a technology, it's AI, it's out there, it's, it's booming, everyone's talking about it, great. But if you really go to people and start really having a conversation about it, you'll realize how little they really know about ChatGPT, mm -hmm. right? So a lot of the conversations are being directed by the media and the sensational headlines that the media comes up with, right? Um, oh, this university is banning it. Oh, this professor says we have to go back to pen and paper. Oh, what's going to be the future? Is it, is, does this mean the end of essays and assignments and degrees in university? So all of this is what people read that headline and they go, okay, so, you know, it's bad. It, this, is, this is what it is. We need to stop our students from using it without really understanding what is this technology? How is it being used? How are, are even students using it? Mm. You know, you will, if you actually ask, and this is the problem, no one's really talking to students. So again, awareness, right? If you talk to students, students who've used it will tell you it's crap. We don't want to use it. We can use it only as like an outline, but I need to do the due diligence from my side. Even as students who are not experts in, in the area or concept that they're talking about, they still have the majority to understand that this is just a tool. Mm. But so why are we freaking out? You know, then that's the question that you have to ask. 
it's because we lack the awareness the conversation everyone's talking about chat gpt but all of these conversations aren't necessarily um led by people who know technology and at the same time have understanding of education or assessment design you know we need we need a marriage of the both for a person to come uh, come up and say yes let's do a workshop or a training on chat gpt this was just an example of chat gpt this could be absolutely anything it could be social media it could be um you know the web uh, services that allow students to sit and chat mm -hmm. and have you know the uh, online parties that were quite popular for instance during covid when students teachers were having um, online tests for these students to join those online parties and share answers and things like that so i think it is about awareness um from our side as academics management um decision makers to really understand what is the future looking like for students what are the skills that our students really need and let's focus on making sure that they're getting that right again just going back to chat gpt we already know the corporate world is using it mm -hmm. so if i'm not going to teach my student how to use it right how are they going to fare when they graduate mm. right so that's a question to ask and i think in a way chat gpt is a fantastic case study for this because it really brings these things these questions to the forefront yeah it's awareness for students as well because again no one is having these conversations with students and students need to be need to be proactively partners in this conversation with us we are talking to them we are talking at them we are not having conversations with them mm -hmm. they could tell us so much they could give us so much insight on what's really happening once we know what's happening we can come up with the solutions for the problems problem is we decide sitting in our offices in our boardrooms this is what we think the problem is let's figure out a solution yeah we cannot do that without having students as partners in that conversation so again just i think awareness is one of the biggest things that we need to be really looking at to tackle yeah i mean it, it's it's a it's a great point um and it sort of you know as you you talking it's reflecting on on how that links to you know again broader issues about when we've talked about this in the past about you know the actual importance and value of assessment and 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 the extent to which assessment right. methods are are you know adequate or relevant and 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 whether they they need adapting and I mean obviously that conversation took place during covid and and you know has continued post covid and and you know as you mentioned obviously about about the skills agenda and and you know as we move you know how do we assess skills rather than just content and and you know etc and yes. and in addition the that sort of component that you know you you raise the point well if 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 students or graduates are going to be using particular tools and techniques and um um you know at, at what point in their professional life are they going to be told you're now going to sit in a room for an hour you cannot use a book you cannot use your phone and you have to answer a question based on memory i mean that that doesn't happen particularly in the um no. the non classroom <laughs> setting um and you know so when we factor in the that sort of vacuum in the way some things can happen within formal education plus the the sort of integrative use of technology in in sort of day-to-day -day life and and the need to um as you say educate people about well what are you doing what's it for what pathway can we use and 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 again yeah. that that sort of that understanding and i'm i'm really curious what you you think on about how do we how do, how do we identify not how do we identify cheating because i mean as an academic we can we can sort of point to you know you know very clear methods yeah. to, but when we're talking about you know going to the other end of the spectrum when we're talking about teaching people what this what to not do and you know and sometimes it, it gets right. called sort of a you know a code of conduct or a you know a set of ethical principles or right. values or you know it gets called different different things but how do we shouldn't we be having that conversation you know with children at, at 3 or 4 rather than trying to stop a 16 17 22 year old from using a piece of technology like i mean aren't we haven't yeah. we maybe missed the conversation if that's where we're focusing our our energy i'm wondering how do we how do we do that within the community like how with how, how yeah. do we i i don't know we're not going to prevent it obviously but you know how do we build build that into <laughs> our approach 
And if, if you remember at the beginning, I said it's a systemic problem. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because it really is. It's easy for us to sit back and blame students. But if a student has had that kind of exposure for 12 years in his schooling or her schooling, where they've had the parents doing the work for them, right? Religiously asking either sibling or older older sibling or the parent doing you know doing their project for them. When they suddenly come to university, they're expected to do the work themselves. It could be a topic that the parents are not familiar with. Where do they go? They start looking for that help somewhere else, right? Mm. And Dr. Google is very good at popping up all the essay writing services that exist because sure, they are sure. also, again, very good at marketing themselves um, to students. So if a student has come from 12 years of that and suddenly I get them for one semester in three months, how much of their understanding and practice am I really going to be able to change? So you're right. We need to start this conversation really young. And this is an example that I constantly give, right, uh, to parents especially, that nobody, nobody tells children to lie. Yet they're learning to lie. So we need to go back and really look at the environmental factors because we're not born as liars. It's not a characteristic I'm born with. It's a very learned thing. Right. So every time I'm being told to act in a certain way and not share or express myself. I'm so as a child, I'm learning that, OK, so I need to hide this. Mm-hmm. Right. And then eventually uh, there's going to be a point where a parent is going to pick up the phone and call their boss in front of the child and say, I'm sick. I can't come to work. So, you know, um, I'm asking for an absence, but then they're not really sick. They're going to be either catching the next la- latest cricket match or the football game or they're just going to just laze around at home. And that action speaks a lot louder than all the times the parent may have told the child, do not lie. Because we've just told the child, it's okay to lie to authority. right? It's okay to bend the rules. So it's situations like this. So we need to have more effort in teaching explicitly these values. Uh, and I... I don't think it's too late by the time they come to university because um, I have had these conversations with students in university, especially even through the center when we do the spring camps and we have these sessions and things like that. Um, And when you really start having that conversation with students, they do sit up and take notice like, hmm, I think she's talking about something that makes sense. Right. Why am I doing this? Why am I justifying this? So that's, again, something they've been taught to do. Right. They're constantly justifying everything they're doing and if my uh, method justifies uh, my goal and goal is morally important to me hey i need to do it yeah 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 so if that means cheating for a student or a parent be it or a principal somewhere putting a box on a child's head to stop them from cheating they're all yeah. justifying oh i remember i remember that picture you showed me yeah 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 that whole classroom with just the the yeah the boxes over yes yeah but what's interesting is when you show them the other side trying to justify that's when it really hits the message home mm. so when you show the teacher or a parent what it looks like when a principal is doing that how would they feel yeah yeah when you show the principal that this is what the parent thinks how do you feel this conversation needs to happen with the student in there so that they understand that neither end of that spectrum is right. My parents shouldn't be doing my assignment. My principal should not be putting a box on my head. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> neither one is acceptable. Yeah. But, I mean, so I, I don't think it's too late, but it, is, it gets progressively harder, of course. Of course, because it's, it's then it's not just learned, but it's entrenched behavior. I mean, and, and I, I guess, you know, as you, as you absolutely accurately say, you know, it, it's systemic because... When you talk about, you know, the massification of education, you talk about the uh, the emphasis that's placed on grades, right? You, you know, we, we look at rankings of schools, yeah. rankings of universities, we tie it to funding, we tie it to et cetera, et cetera. The, the pressure yeah. that is on every component of the process yeah. to achieve and there's simply, you know, curricula more and more things get added, you know, there's less and less time, there's, you know, teachers need more training, et cetera, et cetera, compound, compound, compound. It's not, yeah. it's perhaps not that surprising that yeah. human nature is going to look for the most efficient outcome <laughs> and morality yeah. is not a conversation, 
right? It's it's not. Yeah. I'm not making a moral judgment necessarily. I'm making an efficiency, or I'm making a necessity. Right? It's I have to pass yeah. this, and the best way to pass this is option A, right? Yes, as opposed to yeah. I don't have the time to <laughs> exactly. to, to study. Um, um, and and yet when we flip yeah. it, and it's a case of well, you know, we're we're constantly talking about group work we're talking about collaboration we're talking about yeah. crowdsourcing we're talking about heck i mean in our world you know international publications rank higher than seoul because you can demonstrate that you've collaborated across okay. borders like we're we're constantly yeah. pushing this ethos of ask for help talk to people collaborate get input it's like yeah how is that fundamentally different yeah. from and obviously it, it's, it's very so different much, but it's not you know yeah conflict yeah <laughs> there's so much conflict yeah. it's not funny it's really fun i know we are laughing about it yeah. but you know like when you tell a student you have to work in a group and the student comes back and tells the teacher that but nobody else is working only i'm working yeah right if there is no room for the teacher to either say i will break up the group or i will mark you individually if there's no wriggle room to do that and telling the student uh, that, sorry, you have to figure this out. Yeah. What am I telling the students? Then why would they put in the effort? They'll also look for a shortcut somewhere because everybody else in their group is looking for shortcuts. Yeah. Right? So we, we think group work is amazing and it really is when it works. Yeah. But when it doesn't, we need to still have those systems in place to help the students who are working, who want to work <clears throat> and ensuring that it's not unfair a process for them. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now I remember, I remember a student trying to explain this to me, and and, um, and they came up with what they they thought was a, a, I guess, a really original way of looking at it. And they said, uh, "Yeah, you know, no, no uh, this is the difference." See, sometimes, sometimes, so that you know, you want to be Batman, and sometimes you want to be the Avengers. Just, do you understand me? Do you understand me, Doctor? Like yeah. that's how it works. I was like, no, no. Not only do I understand you, I've seen the meme that told me this, that you've just plagiarized. But the point is valid. But yeah, yes. Um, and uh, it's, 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 I mean, that's precisely why it's so complicated, isn't it? Because you're, you're putting students within a, a, a world and saying, this is both right and wrong at the same time. And yeah. on any given day, interpret it how you will get caught or don't get caught and 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 therefore the, the the rules are although from an ethical perspective you know it's in essence very very clear the the reality or the interpretation of are contingent on on the day the context the you know yeah. all the yeah. all the additional variables and pressures um and i don't think world leaders are helping <laughs> Like leave the politic political leaders aside. Even if you take um, what stu who students really see as role models, right? Like I know a lot of students have come back and said they really love Mark Zuckerberg. You know the whole concept of a high school kid, you know, a university kid who made made it so big and you know who's able to do so much because he's so intelligent and all of those things, right? But then he goes on on record and says things like. You know, I don't care if it's ethical as long as it's legal. Yeah. So that says a lot to the younger generation when they're listening to somebody like that, that they look up to and, you know, who is supposed to be a role model for, for the younger generations and then comes up and makes a statement like that. Uh, that says a lot. When Google did what they did with Bard, I mean, Microsoft said they were investing and then Google wanted to compete. They didn't even do their due diligence with the video that they were making. Um, for for Bard uh, when they were doing the uh, doing the launch and the video had the error now even chat GPT ha makes errors but Google's video which was showing um, Bard as a competent competitor to chat GPT had the error and then it crashed hmm. so that that just that kind of you know work ethic says a lot again to students right hmm. because these are the big companies big people who are defining um, a lot of these spaces for students. So, I mean... Uh, so... No, sorry, no, I didn't mean to interrupt. Sorry, no, can't, please. Okay. Um, no, no, sorry, because I, I, was, I was just... Literally, as you said that, I'm thinking, are we fighting a losing battle? Like, is this quite yeah. literally an academic debate? 
you know, where we, we argue the merits of, <laughs> of ethics in essay writing while at the same time living in a world where we can't police it, we can't control it, and we know that for a given value, yeah. it doesn't matter to the student population or indeed to, yeah. to the world of employment post, right? You know, in essence, like, yeah. are we, you know, <laughs> it's, it's a very tragic way to think about our life, but, um, and clearly we're, we're not because obviously we, we know that teachers can have massive impacts, right? And, and you know, we can, yeah. we can alter behavior and we can instill, you know, we can instill yeah. good practice simply by, by, doing it right um but i mean you know when when you do come up against these these realities um even within our own practice and i mean this this group work one i think is is an is an excellent one because group work's enormously efficient i can put six to eight people in a group together i only have to do one bit of marking and they all get the same grade and and i can say well they've done they've done teamwork and engagement and time management and collaboration and you know all of these other good buzzwords and then the reality is, you know, that maybe 20% of the group did the work, but the other 80% yes. get the same grade. Well, that's, that's in essence, reinforcing a fundamental problem, yeah. right? Or giving legitimacy it, to a fundamental problem, even though part of that is legitimate and valid, you know, but obviously it's, it's an imperfect, <laughs> an imperfect reality. Yes, um, yes, Absolutely. I'm, I'm wondering that maybe if we could so, turn... Uh, go, sorry, go on, please. Because now I've interrupted you twice. So, is, yeah, go ahead. It is a dilemma like this, <laughs> right? Um, but I, I know you said, are we fighting a losing battle? I really don't think so. Um, and I don't think so because not everybody is cheating. Sure. And I think we have to acknowledge that fact, right? Every student in every class in every university or every school is not cheating, mm-hmm. right? Um, even from the percentage that is cheating, it's not intentional. It's not malicious. They're not out there wanting to cheat the system, right? That might actually be such a small percentage that it, it cannot define everyone's behavior. So that little percentage that is doing it intentionally and maliciously will probably never be able to change. But the rest of the ones who are cheating because they didn't know any better, because they were pushed into a position where, for instance, in a group work, if it's five people and only one person is working, they can't cope with the workload because it's meant to be for five people, five students. Sure, sure. So if he or she at that moment then uses, decides to use ChatGPT or uses a third party to complete the assignment, can we really blame that child or the student? Or we have to take a step back and say, wait a minute, I think we set this up for that that incident to happen. Yeah, yeah. So when it was situations like this, I think easy to actually weed out this kind of behavior because these are not malicious or intentional, um, you know, cheating behaviors. And we have enough studies that have shown that this is exactly what's happening. Larger time, more majority of the time, students are doing it because either they don't know any better because no one's really taught them, but we expect them to know these skills. And the other time it's because we've created a situation where unfortunately they are looking for help elsewhere and they're taking the wrong type of help. I mean, I think that's, yeah. I mean, and that's certainly a, a much more uplifting way of looking at the, at the problem. Um, but it, it, it comes back to, again, to something you said um, a little while ago about us talking at students rather than talking with, or even more importantly, yeah. listening to. And, and the point that you just made that, you know, often a student will be guilty of having cheated, but as you say, absent intent, right? It's, it's something that they've been taught to do. Yeah. In many cases, taught to do, in which case, well, if I've been taught to do it, it can't be wrong, right? That the system has been building me in yeah. this direction. It's just normal practice. Absolutely. And all of a sudden, now you're telling me it's wrong. Well, that, that doesn't <laughs> make very much sense. But, but equally, the point you made that um, our assumption within, say, the world of academia, yeah. that they, they, the student body, A, understand the complexities of the nuances, and, and, and therefore, if they are caught doing it, they must have been doing it maliciously. Because it's an assumption, well, they, they obviously know yeah. right or wrong, they, know, they understand all of these complexities that we barely, you know, understand. Um, and then you think, yeah. well, have we actually told them? Have we actually communicated this? Have we actually had a training course on this? Yeah. Have we, have we done anything? And, and, and yes, lots of universities do, right? There, there are, there are 
very clear evidence of good practice yeah. in, in, this, in this regard. Um, but that sort of awareness comes from a communication, right? It comes from, you know, uh, transparency, right. but it comes from sort of building, building that up. And then, as you said, taking it, you know, accountability, right? It, it's, you know, if my student has, as you said before, right? So if my student has cheated, where's the root of that problem? If my child is lying, yeah. what's the root of that problem, right? Um, yes. and, and that's a, that's a more uncomfortable conversation, Conversation right. and that nobody wants to have. Then saying, "Oh, uh, that's intent. Like, they cheated. It's we've caught you. You're wrong." Then that's the problem, yeah. right? That, that doesn't and really solve I, anything. I remember um, this one time a student came and spoke to me um, through the center and said, "You know, Zenith, um, I know people. You know, this, these these teachers in my university are telling me that we are cheating and this and that. Uh, you know, this thing about contract cheating has suddenly become such a big thing." But, you know, every time I'm in a group, I'm the only one writing assignments. Mm. So why shouldn't I start charging for it? <laughs> okay. Yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So again, it's so systemic. <clears throat> like we've pushed the child to that point where nobody, and he said, he, he said, you know how many times I've gone and told, I've shown evidence to my teachers that nobody in my group is working, only I'm working. And they've said, that's group work. You have to know how to manage your group. But who's teaching me how to manage a group? I haven't had a course in group management. Yeah, yeah. So how, how, how do I manage the group? How do I manage a student who never checks his WhatsApp or checks and doesn't respond, doesn't show up to class? How am I supposed to get him or her to do the project with me? And the teacher doesn't want to take uh, you know any responsibility in helping me. So if I'm going to do the project for these four other people and they're going to get the marks for it, I might as well charge them for it. Is that contract cheating? And this was his question to me. You know what I mean? And I was blown away because he was right. Yeah. Because that is what's happening. Yeah, you yeah. know, we are forcing them into that situation if that is the situation that got created. So uh, unfortunately, yes, we jump to the point where, okay, students know cheating is wrong. Of course, they know cheating is wrong. But what is cheating? What kind of cheating are we looking at? What are the different you know, stages and what are the different levels, mm. right? No one is telling them that. Um, no one, and we have universities talking about academic writing. Uh, they have lessons, they have workshops, seminars, pre, uh, you know, remedial courses, introductory courses on academic writing. But why is that academic writing important? No one is telling them that. Mm -hmm. They're telling them you have to write in a certain way. Why? But I was taught to do it in a certain way for 12 years in my school. Why are you asking me to change? No one is talking about the values. So that's where I said that we need, really need to be explicit about the ethical side of academic integrity. And we need to be teaching students the values. When you teach students, when you talk to students about the ethical ethics of it, that's when the bulb goes on and goes, I need to be proud of the work that I am doing. So even if I did the work and I got an 11 on 20, that's something to be proud of. Mm -hmm. Instead of if I copied and pasted or somebody did it for me and I got a 16 on 20, because that's not my work. These are the conversations that we need, really need to be having with students and no one is. It's still very you know, bureaucratic. Okay, we've taught you the academic writing skills. You need to be doing this. If you're not doing it, you're cheating and there's consequences and penalties for it. That's about it. And I even know of horror stories where students have come and talked about how in, in some of the schools, the teachers act like this is the end of the world. Their life has ended because they cheated and they were caught cheating. It isn't the end of the world. It's a mistake. And they're children. Even our students in university are still children. They're still growing. They're still figuring this out. Right? We make mistakes. Why can't they make mistakes? Mm. So we need to be at that stage very very restorative explain to them who are the victims how is this impacting them and everybody else and give them the way back bring them back give them the opportunity to learn and not repeat they will only learn and not repeat if they've not been meant to made to feel like it's a criminal thing that they have done in the moment we've pushed them to that box they're not going to care about any other uh, intervention that we throw at them because they've made they've been made to feel like criminals mm -hmm. and nobody wants to feel like a criminal yeah, yeah. you know so it, it, it's it's it, yeah it's it's a it's a 
unfortunately this is also a systemic problem right we want of course we want detection and penalty for sure we want detection and penalty to be there because if if we are putting in so much effort to ensure students understand the values students know what is right and wrong students know the right way of writing and citing and, and all of those things then we want to ensure there is detection and penalty there has to be that first part for the second part to work right we are not putting in a lot of effort time energy money on the first part we're putting a lot of effort time energy and money on the second part which is detection and penalty Yeah so I mean it's again it's not unique to this part is it it's we should be looking at prevention no. we try but actually we're looking at cure right we're trying to look at the 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 end of the process rather than so actually you know I I feel so much better than at the beginning of the conversation because all we need to do <laughs> is change the culture of of young children reshape the entire educational system alter the assessment methods train <laughs> teachers um greater understanding of punishment um greater support um, yeah i mean this is this seems pretty straightforward right um uh but it is happening in other in some countries it is happening um uh, i remember when i was uh, my daughter was in uh, younger classes one of her classmates mom was really really cribbing about the radars so i turned and turned to listen because she was cribbing so much about radars in UP, in in dubai street she's like it's like every road has a radar i don't understand the need for it and i told her as like but don't you see people speeding that is why she's like that's what i don't understand why people are speeding I'm like what do you mean she's like you know where i come from if there is a speed limit of 70 nobody will drive above 70 as like really that really happens she's like yes that really happens and i don't understand why people are speeding when there is a clear road sign that says xyz is your speed limit so it is happening in different countries right i've even heard stories from students and from faculty talking about how they don't have invigilators but really their students are not cheating yeah they were so worried about what they got wrong and why they got that answer wrong rather than the mark huh that there's there they don't need invigilators the student is self invigilating yeah they don't want to cheat but so it is possible mm-hmm. it is not an impossible dream i think it's possible it's happening um everywhere but just like cheating is happening everywhere yeah yeah uh, it, it, we just need to we need to get up and say let's let's make the effort yeah well and as you said, i mean it, part of that is a is a self fulfilling prophecy isn't it you know the more we look for it the more we find it right and and, and then the more we talk about yes. things like particular tools the more profile they get um and therefore it becomes the right. sort of the echo chamber of oh well that must be the thing that's happening everywhere and you think well yes yes yeah. cheating happens everywhere and you know what as you say cheating's going to happen it it's not we're not yes. going to eradicate this it 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 might happen intentionally it might happen by accident you know it, it, or yeah. it happens for many many different reasons and so Yeah, part of our job is as you say is to understand the difference, right? And and to 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 train what we can, to support what we can and and you know, and to punish what we can't yeah. effectively, right? It's it's have that sort of uh, yes. that that yeah. that approach. Um wonderful. Um <laughs> Yeah, so it's uh it's uh, a <laughs> Yeah, you're right. I mean, we've laughed probably more than we should have done because it's an incredibly serious topic. <laughs> But I it think is. if you if you live in the world of of academia I mean some of this is is kind of you know nonsensical right some of this is 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 fast like some of this is just we're trying to do one thing and at the same time we rec- like the group work at the same time we recognize well actually you know th- yeah. this is massively flawed right and so we we sometimes either yeah. just gloss over it and, and some things are just mm. part of the fabric of the way we do things and so we Absolutely. we we take them as as you know you know acceptable error or whatever it, it might be absolutely um but uh, I mean, even if not just group work even if you think about exams like you mentioned right when when do we ever in our actual real world face that kind of a situation yeah we don't <laughs> no you know so what are we really preparing them for what are we really texting them on yeah You know like that 2 hours or 3 hours of exam is so stressful. What if the human being is not that person is not built to take on that kind of stress? 
but we are still expecting them to ace it somehow yeah. even in that level of stress that we have created for them you know yeah yeah so yeah. you're right absolutely it's 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 all of these cogs that kind of come together and create this really weird but not so laughable situation yeah but and but i mean we come back down to maybe where we can sort of we can maybe close on this but the we have to keep talking about this right we yes. we, we have to keep thinking so. about the roots we have to keep thinking about the way it manifests itself we have to think as you exactly as you said about our own behavior about our own role as educators and about our own approach to efficiency over pedagogical value and, and you know what it is we're right. we're trying to do and uphold and and we need to listen to students more right we need to to understand yes. how do they learn how do they process information you know why do they do what they do and what what do they understand about what they're doing um because if nothing else you know as you were saying sort of halfway through we can then better formulate our responses um, because we, we, we understand it. it more, right? It's it's very easy to point out, yes. well, that's wrong, I can punish you. And I can do that pretty easily as an academic, right? We have easily. mechanisms for that. And it might be a message, but it's not, you know. And, and it's, it, as you, exactly yeah. as you said, it's certainly an essential component of the toolkit, right? Um, yeah. um, but not the, not, the, not the only one. Yeah. So, yeah. so then the maybe your last yeah. last thoughts on what should we be thinking about over the next whatever you know month year two years what what should we be really you know carrying with us in in the in terms of academic integrity um as a community i i think um we we need to um start conversations if we haven't already we need to start conversations in different places Mm -hmm. uh, with students, with teachers, with parents, um, look at look at a student's you know circle, social circle. Who are they really mingling with? Who is influencing them, right? And having conversations there as well. Um, even as a university or a school, it is my responsibility to ensure students' learning success. To do that, if I have to go out of my comfort zone and start looking at their social circles, their, you know, everybody else who is having an influence on them and trying to have those conversations there, they will listen. Students will listen, people around them will listen. And that's how we ha we can make this a success story for students. It's not about us, right? At the end of the day, it is for students. Sure. If the student is cheating now, somehow they're not just cheating, you know, the system, they're cheating themselves with the knowledge, with, with the concepts, with the skills. And this is going to be a shortcoming for them whenever, wherever they are in the future. That means it doesn't matter if they got a degree, they're still not going to be confident with the knowledge and the skills. And once they're out there in the real world, they're going to try, try and keep hustling, mm. which is not going to last long. Right. So for the better betterment of students success, I think we need to collectively work together. And that's the word like holistic. Everything has to be with each other. We cannot work in silos. We cannot work oh, I'm just an institution, I'm going to work by myself. Great, but your, you know, your student is not just your student. Yeah. You, you know, that student is somebody's son, daughter, um, you know, spouse, partner, um, student at another training center or volunteering somewhere else. So we cannot work in silos. I think that's what needs to happen. We need greater collaboration. We need greater partnership um, among institutions, schools, regulatory bodies. Um, parents, all the different stakeholders to come together so we can, you know, ensure our students are successful. <laughs> I, I couldn't agree with that more. I think that's a wonderful sentiment. I'm, I'm just smiling because we cannot get away from group work. <laughs> <laughs> ah, we cannot! <laughs> you see? <laughs> yeah. See, that, that's why it has value. We, we fundamentally believe in the power of it. We just have to understand it better. And, and I, I completely agree with you. I mean, this awareness communication and, and, and ongoing collaboration, I think, is, is, is absolutely um, the direction. And uh, this has been um, fantastic. I've, I've, I've enjoyed um, laughing with you about this and thinking about this and, you know, um, sort of reflecting perhaps a bit more deeply on some of the, on some of the issues that obviously form part of my day-to-day -day academic practice, right? But it's, um, so this has been, this has been fantastic. Um, and I really appreciate a, your time, but, you know, your, your insight um, 
and indeed all the work you are doing to 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 help um, uh, this issue of academic integrity and, and, and ethical approaches to this um, within the UAE and, and much broader. Um, and I, I do hope you'll you'll come back. Um, uh, with the, I know you just had a book come out, which we haven't really talked about very much. Um, and the, there is a conference coming up towards the end of the year, and so perhaps we can we can come back yeah. and, and revisit some of the the key themes that you know are, are ongoing. But um, thank you very much indeed, um, uh, Zenith, and uh, um, it's been a been a great pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Chris, for the opportunity, for the time, and of course, for inviting me. Um, I've been listening to your podcast from the time it launched, so it's quite exciting now to be invited to be a part of it. Um, thank you for starting this space. I think we needed this um, generally to speak about education um, and, of course, to listen to me. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs>